taken a divine detour from Joshua. We'll be back to Joshua. But this was most important as these are messages that will help you and I in our Christian life. Nehemiah chapter number 11, when you find it, and if you're able, I'll have you stand and we'll read some of the Word of God. I'll be between a few verses in chapter 11 and a few verses in chapter 12. Nehemiah chapter 11, we'll begin reading verses 1 and 2. Bible says, And the rulers of the people dwelt at Jerusalem. The rest of the people also cast lots to bring one of ten to dwell in Jerusalem, the holy city. By the way, there's where you get your tithe. They're wanting to bring people into the city of Jerusalem, so they bring one of ten. That's a tenth. <clears throat> and it says, To dwell in Jerusalem, the holy city, and nine parts to dwell in other cities. And the people blessed all the men that willingly offered themselves to dwell at Jerusalem. Go over to verse number 20, if you would, in the same chapter. I'll read a few verses here. The Bible says, And the residue of Israel, of the priests, and the Levites, were in all the cities of Judah, every one in his inheritance. But the Nethanims dwelt in Ophel. By the way, you chase them Nethanims back to the Gibeonites in Joshua chapter, I believe it's number 10. And they were forever servants to the people of Israel and to help with the work of God. The Nethanims dwelt in Ophel, and Ziha and Jispa were over the Nethanims. The overseer also of the Levites at Jerusalem was Uzi, the son of Bani, the son of Hashabiah, the son of Mataniah, the son of Micah, of the sons of Asaph. The singers were over the business of the house of God. For it was the king's commandment concerning them that a certain portion should be for the singers due for every day. Go to chapter 12, and I want to bring you to verse number 27. A few more verses here to get kind of the context. There's a lot of list of names in these two chapters, so I'll omit the reading of the names for time's sake. <coughs> verse 27, chapter 12, the Bible says, And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites out of all their places to bring them to Jerusalem, to keep the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgivings and with singing, with cymbals, psalteries, and with harps. I'll tell you what, them Jews, they know how to, they know how to have a time. Amen? They got cymbals and they got... Now, we, we've got a bass drum, and we used to bang it out pretty good, but I don't know why. The Lord's got different chapters for us here. Maybe he'll bring it back one day, maybe he won't. I'm not talking about bebop and all that stuff. I'm talking about, you know, a militant bass drum. That's pretty good stuff. But anyways, I'll shut up and read the Bible. Verse 28, And the sons of the singers gathered themselves together, both out of the plain country round about Jerusalem and from the villages of Netophath, uh, Netoph, uh, however you say that word, Netophathai. Yeah, thank you very much. Also from the house of Gilgal and out of the fields of Geba and Asmavath, for the singers had builded them villages round about Jerusalem. And the priests and the Levites purified themselves and purified the people and the gates and the wall. Now, last verse we're going to read is verse number 43 here. And then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. The wives also and the children rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard even afar off. Great couple chapters here that show you what Israel is doing. What they're doing to please the Lord and 
to make the Lord happy and to do things right by him. Coach, would you ask the Lord's help in the preaching this morning? Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. Thank you for bringing that uh, coach there. I need to be in prayer for the Jameson family as they lost uh, another son, Michael Jameson, the other day. Some of you may know who he is. I went to school with some of the Jamesons, and uh, Coach Tuttle knows the family very well. So would you please pray for the Jameson family this week as they deal with the grief in the mourning. They've lost three sons or three children in the last however many years has been a short period of time. So uh, that's to lose one is terrible. To lose multiple is uh, unimaginable. So please be in prayer for the Jameson family. Uh, Coach Tuttle is going to try to minister to that family this week, and you pray for him too. The Lord will give him exactly what he needs. Back here in our passage here this morning, uh, you've probably heard of a fellow named Warren Buffett before. He's a politician, so forth and so on. He said a while back, someone is sitting in the shade because someone planted a tree a long time ago. There's a lot of practical truth there. And if you look at it in the eyes of scriptural lens this morning, it makes sense. You got to prepare, you got to do the work so you can enjoy the shade later. And the mindset is lost in the latter half of this Laodicean church period. Of course, I know you know this, but you and I live in a generation now that demands everything without planning, without forethought, without preparation, and they believe that they're entitled to receive that which they've not worked for, put effort in, and if you even question them on it, then you are somehow related to the devil himself. But someone is sitting in the shade today because they planted a tree some time back. Now, that's good sense. That's good sense for a Christian. What I'm referring to this morning is the need for planning, the need for preparation, and a great need for strategy in the Christian life. If we're created in the image of Jesus Christ once we get saved, which we are, and if at the moment of salvation when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, a number of things are then at the moment of salvation predestinated for you to become conformed into the image of his dear son, there comes a few questions to mind. How in the world am I going to please the Lord Jesus Christ with my life? And if I am pleasing the Lord, how am I going to know it? And if, uh, if I am doing the things which I'm doing, how am I going to keep doing those things which are right to do? So what are you talking about? I'm talking about strategy. And I'm talking about preparation. Preparation now in our day and age, if you uh, think about it, uh, it's the unheard of curse word by the Baptists. Baptists prepare for nothing except snowstorms, like going to Walmart. Amen? But preparation strategy, and let me tell you what, uh, even in business, let me refer to this real quick, every business that I ever worked for and had dealings with had some sort of quarterly business plan. Now listen, we are Christians, we're not a business. 
but why not take some principles from a lost and dying world and go ahead and put them to practice? What that means is in the business world, they're at least smart enough to say, okay, for the next 90 days, what are you going to do to meet the goal that you know you should be working towards? And it's kind of an uncomfortable time if you're not familiar with it, where you actually have to sit down and think, what am I going to do? Now, it's credited, Henry Ford was credited with saying, if you always do what you've always done, you always get what you always got. Now, in the Christian life, I believe everyone here wants to please the Lord. I'll give you that. But yet, at the same time, it might come under the scrutiny of a question because many of us are never willing to do more than what we're already doing. Now, Christianity is not about just working harder and working harder and working harder. That's the law, right? But at some point in time, can I just say it in hillbilly fashion? Work smarter, not harder, <laughs> right? Now, look, when you were younger and Dad said just dig the hole or stack the wood, he just wanted you to work hard. He wasn't interested in how smart you thought you were, amen? He just like stack the wood, and if it falls over, I kick it over, you stack it again. But in the Christian life, can I just say this? You're going to need some strategy. You're going to need some planning. You're going to need some preparation to keep going and pleasing the Lord Jesus Christ. Because face it, you don't always do that. And if you always do what you've just always done, you're always going to get the same results, and then you're destined for failure. Not only are you destined for failure by not planning, by not having some kind of strategy, you're destined to frustration. You know why you get frustrated? Because you're just doing the same thing you've always done. Well, I'm a King James Bible believer, and I have the right Bible, and I'm... Yes, you're correct, and the Bible never changes, but you need to change. You realize God has brought you here today. He's allowed you to come to here today to hear preaching from some loudmouth preacher to show you that he desires you to come to the crossroads of change. Now, you don't need to change everything, but there are things in the Christian life you have to change. And he'll bring you to that crossroads, and if you don't change it, that's when you get in the wreck. I want to preach about strategy this morning. Strategy and surrender in the Christian life. The things that, how am I going to strategize and don't get carried away with that term, but what is the strategy that I have to please my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Do you even know how you plan on pleasing Him this week? If I was to ask you on the spot, and I won't do that, but if I was to ask you on the spot, how are you planning to please the Lord this week? Would you say one, two, three, four, and five because that's what the Lord wants me to do? Or would we just say, well, <laughs> I'm going to get up tomorrow. I'm going to get some coffee and we'll get back to you on that. That's what we have in Christianity. We have a desire to do something for the Lord, but we just don't have any strategy. And I believe your frustration many times can, can, have a, can, can have a fix by having the right strategy and the right surrender to the things of God to make Him happy. And that's what we're here for, isn't it? We're not here to, to build a big building. Listen, we are not here to put a bunch of programs in place that I have to run. 
We're here to feed the sheep. We're here to help you grow closer to Jesus Christ. Amen? And in turn, He does a work through you that spills out because you get so full of Him, it spills out wherever you go. But I want to preach about strategy. I want to preach about the surrender. Now, you'll never have strategy unless you're surrendered, first of all, in your will. The will and then the mind and the passions of man follow next. But let me give you a couple things here today through the text. Through the text about strategy and surrender in our desire to please the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you consider with me this morning that first of all, what's important to your strategy to please the Lord is first of all, this one word called willingness. Willingness. Look at verse number 2 with me in Nehemiah chapter 11. Bible says, And the people blessed all the men that willingly offered themselves to dwell at Jerusalem. Willingness. Willingness in of itself, the word preaches what we want to convey to you today. Are you willing to please God, number one? Say, preacher, I sure am. Amen. I'm glad you are. Now, are you willing to do certain things in your Christian life to please God? Are you willing to come to the place where you say, you know what? I have been wrong about certain things. I may have some misgivings, some misunderstandings. Are you willing to recognize that this morning? Part of the growth process is being able to understand that you need to continually grow. I'm not here to stroke your ego this morning, but the fact is we're all in his class. Amen? Look, some of you have graduated high school. Some of you have graduated uh, college. Some of you are smart and have graduated trade school. Amen? But at the end of the day, when you're a Christian, you're continually in his class. And if you get to the point where you're no longer willing to learn, that's when you begin to fail. That's when you begin to go backwards. You always have to be seated in the student's desk for the Holy Spirit to be able to teach you. I want to talk about willingness for a minute. Look at here verse number, number uh, 2. I want you to see, first of all, there is a willingness to offer yourself for His use. I'll say it again. A willingness to offer yourself for His use. Look at verse 2. That willingly offered themselves. You ever consider in willingness it begins with a willing mind? If you're here today and you have no mind to be willing to what God wants, then you don't have to listen to this part, amen? Just tune me off. I'll be back in about seven minutes. <laughs> Say, preacher, don't worry about that. We got you tuned off a long time ago. But are you willing? It starts with a willing mind. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 17, he says, For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. So listen, when you're willing... Not only does the Lord deal with you differently, but He also rewards you. I like the idea of reward. I really do. Uh, we see those, uh, you know, you see $1,000 reward if you find this. Never have found it. But someone's offering a reward. But if I'm willing in my approach to the Lord Jesus Christ, if I'm willing to please Him, if I'm willing to realize that I need to change some things internally, then there's a reward. Uh, you say, well, how does that work? Well, first of all, Jesus Christ is the great example of willingness. Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, you know the Bible says, who gave himself for our sins. They didn't take his life, he laid it down. 
He was willing. Can you even conceptualize that thought this morning? That Jesus Christ went to Calvary and he did it willingly. I don't know any of us who would have went to Calvary willingly. But he did it willingly. He is the example of what we should be. We should be willing. It begins with a willing mind, first of all. And then it goes, a willing mind produces a willing minister. A willing minister. A 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18 says, willing to communicate. That has to do with Paul's instructing Timothy on his giving. And not necessarily the topic we're looking to preach on this morning. But if you have a willing mind, then you can then become a willing minister that gives either of your time or of your talent or even of your treasure. You see how that works? If you have a willing mind, then that's in and of itself many times the making of a willing minister. Now, many of you here today, you say, well, preacher, I ain't got much treasure, but some of you got time. Are you willing to give some time? Are you willing to give some time to other Christians? Are you willing to give some of your talent to other Christians? That starts with a willing mind. It produces a willing minister. And next thing I see here is a willing mouthpiece. A willing mouthpiece. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, Paul says, Willing to have imparted unto you the gospel of of God. You see, when you have a willing mind, it produces a willing minister and eventually a willing mouthpiece. And God has your willingness. He's able to take your mouth and do something with it. But it's like the old, it's like the old illustration of that hay wagon. Many times before you plant the hay, you have to pick the rocks. You got to pick the garbage out of the field. And a lot of farmers are so busy. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they make ends meet. But they'll have the rocks and everything laying on the, on the wagon, so forth and so on. But when it's time to gather up the hay, there's too much junk on the wagon. But see, why you need that willing mindset is for God to put you in that process and make you that willing minister. And in that process, what he does is he helps you empty your wagon. And therefore, you can put the right things on so you can therefore feed people. Are you a willing mouthpiece this morning? Or how about, are you your own mouthpiece with your own agenda? When you get talking to people, it's what you like to talk about. We're talking about strategy, strategy and surrender. Strategy to please the Lord this morning as a child of God, our willing mouthpiece. How about this, a willingness to dwell where God wants you. Look at verse 2 again in Nehemiah chapter 11. The Bible says, and the people blessed all the men that willingly offered themselves to dwell at Jerusalem, I see a willingness to dwell where God wants you to be, where God wants you to be. Well, in the text, physically, that's Jerusalem. But you and I both know through Scripture, you spiritually apply that thing, you know, the willingness to dwell in Jerusalem, you know what that is? That's your local church. Are you willing to dwell in your Jerusalem? Where is your Jerusalem this morning? Are you willing to dwell there? Are you willing to call it home? I'm willing to call you family. Are you willing to call it home? And I'm just talking about strategy to please God. It's a willingness. It's a willing mind. It produces a willing minister and a willing mouthpiece and then a willingness to dwell where God wants you to. And here it is dwelling at Jerusalem. If some people are church hoppers or program shoppers. Uh, I've told this one before, but a fellow washed up on a 
deserted island one time with shipwreck. And uh, he was there and he overcame the elements, you know, as you see on uh, the TV shows and that. And he built himself a hut and was doing all right and eating bananas and coconuts and all that stuff and living off the land. About five years later, here comes a ship and he's able to uh, distract their attention and they come aboard and they come up here and there's three buildings. And the captain of the ship goes, uh, are you sure it's just you? He's like, oh, yeah, this is, this is my house. This is where I live. And this is the church that I attend. That's the church I used to go to. Some people are church hoppers, program shoppers. Church shoppers rarely find any great deals. Uh, we've been here as a family for 10 years. Praise the Lord for that. And I've seen, through the years, I've seen many people come in and say, well, we're, we're church shopping. They actually say that. And I'm like, well, we don't have anything on sale. Everything we have here is free. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, you don't have to pay to get in the door. I mean, we've got a box back there. If you've got an extra million or two, throw it in there on the way out. Amen. But everything I have is free. So if you're looking for a good deal, I mean, it really doesn't get any better than free. People that come and say they're church shopping, they don't stick around. I'm not trying to be a jerk. I'm just saying the Lord wants you to dwell where you're supposed to be, and you're supposed to be at Jerusalem in the text. Well, in your Jerusalem, how about this? How about in your job site? The Bible says in Acts 18, verse 3, it talks about Paul. It says because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought. Now, the interesting thing about Paul is he was a preacher, and he was a worker too, amen? I mean, Paul knew how to preach. He knew how to sweat, and he was a tent maker. I bet you he made some pretty good tents. I just know he did. If he could write like he wrote through the help of the Holy Spirit, I bet you, I bet you the tent that he sold on Amazon was not 50 bucks. I bet you it was like 500 bucks. Amen? It was a real deal, you know, J Jewish canvas or something like that. But at any rate, how about in your job site? Are you willing to dwell where God wants you in your job site? You say, what are you talking about dwelling? Are you willing to take up residence where God wants you and be a part of that thing and get involved and appropriate the thing and make it yours? You say, that's my strategy to please the Lord. That's the first thing is willingness. How about this one? As we preached in Nehemiah chapter 2, the second thing I see in strategy and surrender is simply attention to duty. Attention to duty. If you look in verse, that's responsibility, by the way. If you look at verse 22, you see a phrase at the end of that verse that talks about a group of people who were over the business of God. Business of God. And you see, when you pay attention to duty and you're responsible, it puts you in the right place. You see that? In verse number 20, you see everyone in his inheritance. It puts you in the right place. Not only that, but in verse 22, duty permits you to do the right thing. You know why some Christians can't do the right thing? Because <laughs> they won't do their duty. You can't do the right thing if you're not in the right place. Being, attention to duty puts you in the right place and allows you to do the right thing. In verse 22, it says, over the business of the house of God. What's your business this morning? What is your duty this morning? Are you willing to look at it? Are you willing to say, you know what, this is what God wants me to do? Sometimes we pray and we agonize over things or we get frustrated because we don't see our prayers getting answered. You ever stop and consider that God has already spoken to several of you about certain things and you're just sidestepping it? 
And so if you're going to sidestep what he wants you to do, why would he continue to further conversations about other things? I won't say exactly what, but I told the Lord uh, uh, back in 2018 or 19, I said, all right, Lord, I'll do that. I will commit to do that. Well, guess what? I drug my feet. And guess what? All of a sudden, I started feeling it in my relationship. I'm like, Lord, I don't know how you talk to the Lord. I'm sure it's all pious and you know, reverent and holy. I'm like, Lord, what's your problem? I'm saying, what is your problem? And the Holy Spirit's like, dude, what is your problem? And then all of a sudden, on a quiet evening, it dawned on me. He already told me what I needed to do, and I wasn't doing it. And I'm like, oh, you ever get alone with God and say, Lord, uh, it's really good to talk to you, man. It's been one of them weeks, and I'm about ready to go in the nut house here with all the rest of the Baptists, amen. And will you just tell me what is between me and thee? And then you shut up long enough, and the Holy Spirit puts that thing right in front of you. You're like, oh, oh that. I'm like, oh, I did. I, I told you I'd do that. Yeah, about that. And now I can't weasel out of it. I'm saying, look, many times you just need to appropriate what God's already given you to do. Stop expecting to have this great relationship with you if you're not willing to do what he already told you what to do. Communication with God depends upon obedience. Attention to duty permits you to be in the right place and do the right thing. And notice this in verse 23. Here it is. We see rewards again. Chapter 11, verse 23, I want you to see that duty rewards personal faithfulness. It rewards personal faithfulness. And in the text, you see in verse 23 that a certain portion due for every day. Do for every day. Not only is that a great practical application, Lord, providing for your needs and supplying for your need, amen? But how about this? When you do what God wants you to do, you might never see a result down here, but he's keeping track up there. And every day and every minute that you serve him and every minute that you're fed, he's keeping track. He's keeping the tally. He remembers all the gas that you put in the tank to come here, Amen. He knows what a hassle it can be to get up with the physical issues you have. He knows what it is, the hassle sometimes to try to get a track in somebody's hand because you're living in a fierce generation that doesn't want anything to do with God. And then you go to do it and they're fierce and in your face. Or I don't want nothing to do with that. And he sees every time you do that. He rewards personal faithfulness. Well, you've got willingness this morning. That's a strategy. Just simply saying, Lord, I want to please you and I'm willing to change if you want me to. And then attention to duty. There's another strategy this morning. Lord, I'm willing to do just what my duty to do is. You sometimes Christians think, well, well, if I'm right with God, then he'll have me do something spectacular and something marvelous and some type of ministry that showcases what he's done in me or not. Many times in the Christian life, you know what it is? Just doing your duty. The message is more important than the messenger. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ. And our duty as born-again child of God is simply to show the world Him. Whether it be by our simple life or by our testimony.
How about this one, number three in the text this morning? If you go to Nehemiah chapter 12, advancing to verse number 27, Nehemiah 12, 27, we see two things in Nehemiah chapter 11, great strategies to please the Lord continually, willingness, responsibility, and then how about number three would be dedication, dedication. Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 27, he says, to keep the dedication with gladness. You know what dedication means? It means devoted to a divine being or to sacred use, consecrated, given wholly to. Now I'm going to be straight with you. I'm not looking to tear anybody up this morning. I'm just going to be honest with you. You and I live in the latest in church period. Somebody say amen right there. We live in a wicked world. You're like, I'm not saying nothing because you're going to come around and clobber me. No, I'm not. We live in a wicked world. We live in a sin-cursed world. But the Lord still uses the local church. He does. And let me tell you what, he'll use the local church before he uses you. You've got to get a hold of that. I want to ask you this morning, are you dedicated? Are you dedicated to Jesus Christ? Are you dedicated to Jesus Christ or are you just religious? We doing all right this morning? Are you dedicated to Jesus Christ? Do you love what he loves? And do you hate what he hates? You know what dedication does? Look at verse 27, right in the text. Dedication, it searches for others. Since you've been saved, and you see in verse 27, who are they searching for? They're searching for the Levites. Since you've been saved, are you searching for anybody? No, I found Jesus and that's all I need. <laughs> I'm not talking about that, man. Are you searching for somebody? How about a family member lost? Well, you know, preacher, family, I know they're the toughest in the world. Why? Because they know you and they know you before God changed you. They're tough. I mean, you got, I hate to say it, I'm not a gambler, but you got the deck stacked against you with some family people. But you know what dedication does? If you're dedicated to Jesus Christ, you're going to be searching for somebody. you got somebody on your list right now. If you don't have somebody on your list right now, I don't know, maybe you're not dedicated. It says, given holy to him. Who are you searching for? Well, you know, I'm searching for myself. Well, good luck with that. <laughs> when you find your, when did you lose yourself? Amen. Dedication searches for others. In verse 27, notice this, that dedication selects a place. A place. Verse 27, the Bible talks about the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem. In verse 27, dedication spurs on to thanksgiving. Since you've been saved, has there been a redefined sense of thanksgiving? Like, man, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the measure of health. And No, it's, it changes like the weather in Michigan, and there's crud here and crud there, and everywhere there's crud, and there's crud in my lungs, and... You know what I mean? You're sick all the time. But does it spur you on to thanksgiving? That's dedicated. Are you thankful? Notice here in verse number 27, talks about with thanksgiving. Finally here, and I see about dedication, it stimulates singing. Now we're not talking about this gas act like Taylor Swift stuff, amen? Not talking about that tomfoolery stuff you can throw up by talking about stimulate singing that pleases the Lord like you heard earlier, like you were doing in the pew, amen? Since you've been saved, have you ever just stimulated to sing for Jesus Christ? 
they were singing the Sunday school songs this morning, and on my way to teach school in the morning, I mean, wonderful counselor, prince of peace. I feel like I'm on the mirror. Mighty God is he, <laughs> saving me. <You> know. <laughs> I feel like I should be buying popcorn and hot dogs. And I get here, what did we sing? Amen. Wonderful counselor, the mighty God. What a blessing. You say, you're singing? No. That the Lord just come, did, come out and did something personal for me. I don't know, what do you sing about during the week? You know, all my exes live in Texas or what? Come on. You ever just, I, I'd be in the... I have one of the jobs as a teacher, I don't always have a class. So they put me on bathroom duty. It really stinks. Sorry about the pun there. And I go in there, some of these clowns, amen, they'll hide in the bathroom and skip class. And I'm like, I'm going to tell your girlfriend that you're in this thing for like, if, if you want to hang out with a boy who stays in the bathroom for more than 15 minutes, ew. That's disgusting. So I go in there, and I, I'm like, what can wash up? Go to class! <laughs> you know, but I'm singing. I'm like, every once in a while, not all the time. I'm not spiritual all the time, just like you ain't, amen? But every once in a while, it's like, what can wash away? And people are looking like, amen. It stimulates singing. I'm telling you what, I'm trying to give you some strategy this morning. Are you dedicated? Have you ever just put it all out there and said, Am I dedicated to Jesus Christ? Am I wholly given to Jesus Christ? Are you like that little boy that had the lunch? He gave everything he had. And look what the Lord did with it. Well, I'm just not real happy with my life. And I just, I don't think I'm doing anything with, for the Lord. Have you given everything to him? Does he control you? Well, you know, I like to do this. And I like to go here. And I like to do that. Well, maybe that's it. Maybe you're just not dedicated. I'm not trying to throw you under the bus, but are you dedicated this morning? Willingness, responsibility, and dedication. How about this one, number four? Look at verse 30 in Nehemiah chapter 12, giving you some strategy for this week. Try to help you find a, a strategy so you can please the Lord continually. How about purification? Verse number 30, the Bible says, And the priests and the Levites purified themselves and purified the people and the gates and the wall. This purification can, can be boiled down to this, separation and sanctification. Purification is an Old Testament term. I'm not going to get too bogged down with that. But to you and me, that's talking about sanctification. That's being separated for God's use. That's cleaning up ourselves and putting ourselves aside so God can use us. I believe why many times God can't use us is because we're too full of us. God is looking for a man to deny himself, to deny his passions, to get alone with him and empty that wagon of self so God in private and in secret can put the things on him and go out in this world and do something for him. Purification. Let me give you a purifications order here. We preached just a little bit about it about a month ago. Here's the order. If I'll clean up first, I got to clean up first. That's it. But look at verse 30. And the priests and the Levites purified themselves. Look at that. There it is. You got to clean yourself up. A lot of times Christians think that, well, look what he's doing. 
I'm pure. I'm holy. You sure are. You're full of holes. Amen. Look what she is wearing. Thank God you got something on. Well, look what they let their kids do. Well, thank God they ain't your kids. But it's purification's order is you got to clean yourself up first. Can I just help you out this morning? Stop looking at anybody else. Stop looking at what everybody else is doing that you wouldn't do. Stop looking at where everybody else is going that you wouldn't go. Stop looking at what's in people's cart at Walmart. Amen. You're welcome. It's not your problem. Clean yourself up first. That's purification's order. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7, 1, I know you know the verse. Paul says, let us cleanse ourselves. Personal cleanliness. Husbands, husbands, listen. Stop trying to clean up your wife. Ladies, you ain't never going to clean him up. So just quit it. You clean yourself up. So when he starts his devilment and he sees you living a clean, pure life, he feels like the devil he is. You clean yourself up first, amen? Well, that's the first thing. If I'll clean up first, number one, then number two, then the Lord just might help me to help others. Look at Hebrews chapter 10 familiar verse that most Baptists run to at least once every Sunday when they want to kick church attendance. That's funny. You can laugh. It's all right. <laughs> Thank you. appreciate the, you know, feeling sorry for me. Hebrews chapter 10. <laughs> I know my Bible says as a pastor, I'm just supposed to feed the sheep that are among us. Now, if you're not here, I can't feed you, and I'm not going to get after you. Why? I figure the Lord's pretty good at getting after you. I'm like, well, I'm just going to be a nag is all I'll be. <clears throat> look at Hebrews chapter 10. Look at verse 24. Now, if I clean up first, Christian, here's, here's what I want, to I want to show you. Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse 24. He says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. You see that? So then the Lord just might help me to use, uh, help others clean up. Uh, and by doing that, then he'll allow me to be able to consider somebody else. You see it? Consider one another. Consider. Not accuse, but consider. Once you clean up, the Lord might allow you, might enable you to consider somebody else. Now that in verse 25, if you clean up first, you know what the Lord will do. He says, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, but as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. You see that? If you clean up first, he might enable you to help exhort somebody else. That's stir them up. When is the last time you stirred someone up for the Lord? Like, preacher, that's why I come to church. I need stirred up. Okay, but you realize it's not just my job as a preacher to stir you up. You're supposed to take what you got here and go out and stir others up and to teach others also, the Bible says. You see, that's how that works. I mean, we throw it out here, and we try to feed the fish the best we can, amen? Put all the food we can, and some of you are like, and some of you are throwing up in the aisle, amen? I get it. But then you go out during the week, and you're like, yeah, I can do this. Hey, how you doing, bro? I ain't seen you in a while. God bless you, man. Can I do anything for you? Can I pray for you? Can I, you know, can I wash your tires? Can I paint your house? Whatever. You know what I'm saying? Can you exhort somebody? Can you stir somebody else up? Or does it always have to be about you? 
You see, that's how you know purification's order. You clean yourself up first, and then God uses you and enables you to help others, so then your vision gets off you and it gets on other people. That's where we're at in Christianity. Oh, help me, help me. Oh, I need help. Oh, yes, I need help too. I'm a stinking mess. But when I'm right with God and I'm clean and I'm separated and living a sanctified life, he says, help them, help them, help them, help others. That's purification's order. I clean up first. He helps me to help others next. Now, here's purification's object. Look at verse 30. Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 30. Nehemiah 12, 30. The object, the uh, Bible says in verse 30, the priest, the Levites, the people, the gates, and the wall. Now I skipped through that verse to show you the main things there. The, the object is the inside gets done first. Amen? Now look, in America it's different. Your house might have three feet of clothes and garbage all through it, but you'll go out and cut your grass. Amen? <laughs> right? I mean, most of you, you don't want to be looking like Fred Sanford. Amen? You'd be like, oh, I'm going to cut the grass, and I'm going to trim the, uh, you know, the hedges and all that, and you, everything's done, you edge it and wash the windows and paint the house, and you go in there and you trip over and break your neck on stuff laying in the middle of the floor. But purification's object is the inside gets cleaned out first. Got to remember that. First of all, it's the inside, and then that's the priest, the Levites, the people, and then the outside, that's the gates and the wall. So you see that right in the text. I don't know if any of this is making sense this morning, but we're talking about strategy that you can develop to please the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the only reason we're here. We're not here to make a million bucks. We're not here to make the world a better place. Let me tell you what, you live for God. Your neighbors might hate your guts, but you'll make it easier for them to get saved. We're not here for social political infrastructure. We are here to put a smile on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're inundated from the world's attack all week long. Have it your way. Have it your way. Have it your way. Do it what you want. What's in it for me? And the Lord says, what are you going to do for me? Let me give you the last one here this morning. In the text I see finally, here's your surrender. It's sacrifice. Nehemiah chapter 12 and verse 45, I want you to see the Bible says also that day they offered great sacrifices. I believe everyone knows what a sacrifice is. And of course in the Old Testament they're talking about sacrificing animals. We don't do that here. <laughs> don't bring your bullock. I will not slay it on the altar. <laughs> don't bring your pigeons or your whatever it is or your rams or, you know. Don't bring your dog or cat either, amen. But these sacrifices were animal sacrifices. They were... They were meal sacrifices, they were wave all, all that stuff to please the Lord. Now here's the thing, here's the spiritual application. The Christian life involves sacrifice. If you want to please the Lord this week, it's going to involve some sacrifice. Those sacrifices weren't free. They cost the people of Israel however much it cost. Real money, real time. Real effort. Can you imagine raising this, uh, this bullock, you know, you know, going out. You know, Dad used to have a couple cows. I remember told you there was one was Big Mac and the other was Quarter Pounder. Amen. And we went out every day and fed Big Mac and Quarter Pounder. And every once in a while, Big Mac, he'd stick his head through the fence and get stuck. And my dad would yell at him. And he had a voice ten times the, the volume of mine. 
and Big Mac would run away with half the fence, you know what I mean? And the old man be chasing him with a shovel, hitting Big News, making a mess. Getting off track here. But you put all that effort into the raising those beasts, right? Kind of become attached to it, you know? Kind of like Charlotte's Web and Wilbur the Pig. All right, and you know, you get the point. And then one day here comes a, here comes a trailer. Dan, someone's here. Yep, sure are. They're backing up to the cow pen. Mm-hmm. Why are they loading up Big Mac and Quarter Pounder? <laughs> and all of a sudden it clicked. I'm like, oh. But can you imagine the time and effort and the energy that went into raising those beasts and those animals and the cost of feed and taking care of them and then to be required as a sacrifice just to please the Lord. You say, that's a little weird. It is, especially if you're inundated with this world's thinking that everything belongs to me and everything belongs to my family and everything belongs, you know, this world is just mine for the taking. No, it's the Lord's. Well, the cost is great. Can I give you just a couple of quick examples before we close here? The cost is great like the alabaster box in Mark chapter 14. The Bible said that it was full of spikenard, very precious. A lot of times your sacrifice is very precious. The Bible said that that alabaster box that was broken, sacrificed, it could have sold for 300 pence. You might as well just say it was worth a year's salary of a working man. Now, regardless of what you make, if you had an extra year's salary in your hand, that'd be a good bit of cash, wouldn't it? You see how much it costs. The sacrifice is great. Are you willing to sacrifice for Jesus Christ this week? Maybe sacrifice a little bit of your time. Maybe sacrifice a little bit of your food. So it's getting, you're pushing it, preacher. I know in Laodicea, those things are idols. Well, like the alabaster box, how about like the widow's mite? Remember the story about the widow's mite? I won't bore you. Mark chapter 12, verse 44. The Lord says, but she of her want did cast in all that she had even of her living. You see that widow cast everything that she had at the very moment. Mary with the alabaster box, she sacrificed everything that she was counting on to take care of her in the future. That was her box. If something happened to her, she could sustain herself and live. You know what she said? Lord, everything that I'm hoping on and planning for, it's yours. She broke it. Widow cast in everything, those two mites, all she had, all of her living. And finally, of course, like the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12, but this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. He gave it all. Well, the cost is great. The cause is great back in Nehemiah 12, 43. You see, the cause is for God had made them to rejoice. That's the cause. Kind of reminds me of David when he getting ready to fight Goliath and his brother starts chewing him out. David says, is there not a cause? Is there a cause this morning that you have? Is not your cause for Jesus Christ? When you do things, when you plan things, when you go places, do they involve Jesus Christ? Is there not 
a cause. You say, my cause is the United States of America. Your cause ought to be the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the cost is great, the cause is great, and finally the conclusion is great. In verse 43, and I'm done, I want you to see what happens when you have strategy and you surrender to please the Lord. The Father's got a hold of it in verse 43. It says, they offer great sacrifice and rejoice. Well, dads, let me tell you what, if you get a hold of it in verse 43, then your family benefits from it. Because you see in verse 43, the wives also and the children. You see that? The father's got a hold of it. The family's benefited from it. And then finally in verse 43, those far away could hear about it. It says in verse 43, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard even far off. You see that? Strategy and surrender this morning. We began with willingness, then responsibility, and then dedication and purification. Dedication and finally sacrifice. I want to ask you this morning as Miss Elizabeth comes to the piano and begins to play, do you have a strategy for this week and how you're going to please the Lord? Because if you're just going to go home and do what you've always done, I just want to warn you that you might just get frustrated. You might just get a little bit wore out. You might fail this week because you have no plan, no strategy I just want to stir your pure minds up this morning to get a strategy together and ask the Lord for help so that you can please Him. You need a biblical plan, but it must be surrendered to the will and design of Almighty God. While she plays this morning, would you be willing to come and ask the Lord to give you a strategy to serve Him? Would you be willing to come this morning and admit to God that you just might have a plan but it's not quite surrendered as it should be. Are you willing? Are you responsible? Christian, are you dedicated? Christian, are you clean this morning and willing to sacrifice? All right, you come. You come. Bring your Isaac too. Bring your Isaac right to the altar. Leave it with the Lord. Come beg God for the right strategy this morning. Don't wait. If he spoke to you, just come speak to him.